to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. So, uh, hey everyone, great to have you on board for the latest edition of a Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. And as you all know, I love to do interviews with incredible people that have achieved some fantastic things. And I'm absolutely honoured that I've got a gentleman who is a podcast genius actually on this show with me. And, and uh, as I said to him at the start, this is like Daniel Sun with Mr. Miyagi for me. But I've got uh, Billy, uh, Billy Samersali be with me. Um, Billy, so great to have you on board uh, on the podcast. And so thank you so much for giving up your time this evening to uh, to, to be here. I'm excited to be here, James. Let's have some fun. Uh, I love your in- energy. It's infectious. So I love surrounding myself with people like you and enjoying our conversation already and excited to go any direction you want to go. Yeah. Look, well, well, look, so as people know, this is a, this is all about sales and selling. And, and one of the things that when you reached out to me and I saw the podcast and sorry, the, you reached out to me on online and I looked at your background and I was like, wow. This guy has done some sales stuff in his time. I mean, obviously, we'll get into your background, a bit of your history, because you've had an incredible career. But you, you, you were like director of well, and we're going to come to this in a second. You were director of sales training for Tesla, right? That's a pretty nice badge to wear, right? And <laughs> as well as owning your podcast business and setting up the podcast you have. So, talk to me a little bit about how start us off with a bit, a bit about your background because you mentioned you traveled and you were in london and i know you you won an award-winning film but you've got this incredible history tell me a bit more about billy and the startup to that <laughs> well i like trying new things i think that's the the reason why i have such a varied background is because i kind of get bored with doing the same thing so i switch it up yeah i did make a movie i did live in europe i lived in london specifically and one of the things that I think actually helped me tremendously in sales is early in my life, I waited tables. I was a server in a restaurant and specifically in London, I worked in a restaurant called rules in Covent okay. garden, which is the oldest restaurant in London. Uh, and at the time I, I thought it was a great server. I thought it was a great waiter, but <laughs> I actually had a lot to learn. And it's kind of funny because when I went there, some of the things that I said, it, it did not, it did not go very, very well because it was, uh, let's just say it was a little bit uh, n- not in line with the style of service the guests at rules were used to getting. So if I had said something like, are you still working on that? They're like, no, 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 you do not say that. They're not working on their food. They're eating their food or starting to clear dishes before everyone was done or doing things that back home, I would have done normally or casually. I I wouldn't have done in an upscale fancy restaurant in the UK. And and the reason I bring this up is to serve is to sell and sales comes from service. I even think the root word. Uh, And so I think what we all have to do when it comes to selling anything is how do we provide a service to another person in the way in which they want that service to be provided? Every restaurant I worked at, I've worked at sushi restaurants. I've worked at hamburger joints. I've worked at salad restaurants. Like all of them have a different way in which people expect to get service. And by the way, that doesn't mean you can't exceed expectations, but you must at least meet what they expect in the environment that they're in. And it also goes down to anticipating needs. What is somebody going to want at a specific restaurant? And you may 
figure that out and know that before they want that themselves. And that's the best place to operate. So uh, I just wanted to share that quick story, but to your, to your question, I I've done a lot. My, my core function in corporate was working in training, specifically sales training. I got a chance to work for a company called solar city, which was at the time, the largest solar provider in, in the U S just so happens that the co-founders of solar city are also the cousins of Elon Musk. So Elon bought solar city and I, Got the opportunity to work for Tesla. So I started their global onboarding program. So any new hire that started at Tesla, my team trained them. And then I was fortunate enough to get promoted to, as you said, be the head of sales training, the director of sales and product training for Tesla. So any person who talks to a customer at Tesla, my team trained them on how to create the experience at Tesla. But by the way, the last thing I'll share is the experience at Tesla is not your typical experience buying a car. And so it was really important. And, and Elon's not huge into sales. He's not a sales guy. He wants to make sure that the experience that they that we created was in line with the vision he had for what it should be at a Tesla. Well, look, and there's so much we're gonna, we've got, a, we've got a little bit of time today to unpack. And I wanna unpack so much more around that, but I, I also wanna unpack some of the numbers. Cause I was looking, it was like, you know, this solar city deal, 600 K revenue in one day. I was like, that's a big set. <laughs> We're going to come to that one. And also like to 20 deals, 20 deals in a day. I mean, that's like, those numbers are, are breathtaking. There are people watching this going, how Billy, how did you do it? But look, mm. just going back a step, just go, you know, how you sort of got started. And obviously you traveled and you got coming, but you had your own, uh, if I believe it was believe entertainment, your company, you started initially, what got you to start that business initially? What was your, you know, what was your you know, driver for getting that going? And tell us a little bit about the film. Cause it was an award-winning film, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because so much of what I think we become, there's moments that thread through our lives that tell the story. So for me, it was an 11th grade English class where I, they assigned us and this is, this is going to date me a little bit, but to make a, a video and it was on a VHS that was really a, a a video that highlighted some books that we read. And it, it made me feel a connection to telling a story and storytelling. It, 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 it's important for sales. It's important for entertainment. It's important for relationships. It's important for building connection with other human beings. And so I, I fell in love with storytelling. And so I ended up changing my major in college from business to film. And when I graduated, I said, okay, I got this film degree. Well, I better start making a movie. This is my mind. And as foolish as that may sound to some people who's like, how do you just make a movie? I figured it out. Like maxed out credit cards, begged and borrowed from friends and family and put together a budget. It wasn't a huge budget, but a quarter million dollars to make a feature film called rolling uh, and rolling is about the, the drug ecstasy. And so yeah. it follows the lives of eight ecstasy users over a 24 hour period. And it paints the picture of how different people experience the drug, everyone from the first time user to the drug dealer, to the doctor, the lawyer, the teacher, all these different characters and how their stories intersect over a 24 hour period. And, and so I started needed to start a business to, to kind of, be the, 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 the production company. And that was believe entertainment. The, the other reason it's believe entertainment is throughout my life. I've always done things. There's always a line that you, you know, you want to stop at that line. And then there's 
going past that line and there's multiple rungs past it, I usually go overboard with whatever it is that I do. And so I used to do big, big parties, whether it be New Year's or whether it be Halloween or 4th of July, just throw these giant parties and people would say, believe it. They just caught my nickname became believe it. You got look at these big parties. So believe entertainment was the company that I started. And and that was your, so obviously that was your, was that your first company from college? So once you left college, you left, you mm-hmm. literally said, right, I'm going to go straight into running my own yeah. business basically. Yeah. And, 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 and don't, don't let the, don't let it fool you. I was still waiting tables. I was still, yeah. you know, I had my business, but I, I had to put bread on the table. So like, you're not going to suddenly start a, a business and have that be a, a revenue generator. So I grinded, I I worked, I worked, waited tables, figured out how to, to make some income. And then, yeah, I made my movie. I know when I read about what you, your history and what you did, obviously you had to raise money to, to go and make that happen as well. I mean, that was probably your, was that one of your first, obviously service and restaurants. And I was a waiter too. I think maybe salespeople get, get good training as waiters been, uh, in when they're 100%. younger, but was, was that your first sort of, you know, big thing to have to raise the money to go and do mm-hmm. the film? Was that your first big sale? Do you think, would you say it has been sort of like your big, wow, I've now, you know, put yeah. this money in place to go and create this film. Yeah, that's such a great question. And nobody's ever asked me that. So thanks, James, for for making me reflect and think about it. And I would say in a lot of ways it was. I mean, you, you could always go back and think, okay, well, in junior high, I was selling these candy or, you know, there's always something. But from a, a you know, a scale perspective, when I had to go to people who are going to invest in my movie and, and largely friends and family, but they still have to be sold. They have to yeah. understand, like, where's my money going? Will I get a return on an investment? Is this, what's the risk factor? And I have to make them comfortable. So yes, of course, in order to do that, it's, it's, a, it's a sales function. It's a sales task. And I guess the other thing for me around selling is you also had to influence these these actors and actresses that were on the film to mm. do things in the way you wanted it because you had a vision of what you wanted to produce. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, actors, I'm not in that world. Like, you know, you, you've got to ultimately influence these people to get them to deliver on what you wanted to make it an award-winning film. That, again, great question. And and yes, you, it's, you said influence. And that's a perfect word to use because you anytime you are doing something where you want to motivate or you want to inspire, or you want to create a, a unified group of people to, to go in a direction as a leader. And as a salesperson, you, you have to have the ability to influence other people. And I, I think influence, I mean, it's one, you, you, you look at it, the, the buzzword right now, you're an influencer, you're an influencer. But to me, the ability to influence comes from the ability to create belief. And, and this is another reason why I like believe entertainment because you have to create belief in whatever it is that you're doing. And you do that by first having conviction yourself. And then second, by helping other people really believe that that conviction that you have has a, a, a foundation behind it. It's not just a false conviction that you, you have arbitrarily because you, you need to have it that there's actually some, some grounded support for that conviction. And, and you do this based on understanding the people who you're talking to, because everybody's different and everybody's going to have a different ability to connect with the story. The story I would tell one person isn't necessarily going to be the exact same story. I'm going to tell another person. And it doesn't mean you're, you're lying or making things up. It just means that you're 
building the story in a way that will be understood and embraced by the person you're sharing that story with. And so I think as I reflect and look back at the way I would talk to different people, the way in which I would share the story would vary based on that person. Are they a business person? Are they in, in entertainment themselves? Are they somebody that knows nothing about entertainment? And so each of those categories would then dictate the way I would approach that sales task. And, and that's, a, and that's a, to me, and funny enough, I was listening to your podcast with Bob Berg, I think it was, we were talking about yeah. influence in this same way. And it was great, great podcast. And, and I think it's such a true point because one of the things that I talk to people about sales and selling is the best salespeople can adapt. They're, adap mm. they're adaptable to look at the person. You know, I, I don't even, I'm sure you've read a, a Thomas Erickson's book, Surrounded by Idiots, which is all around the four styles and, and understanding if you're talking to a red versus a blue and how do yep. you adapt your style to adjust that? And it, it's funny, you know, us as sales people, veterans, whatever you want to call it, we get that. But do you think yeah. that's something that a lot of people in sales struggle with or business to business sales? Do you think that's something that it seems to me like it's not something that the people seem to have one approach only to go about doing things? Well, I think anybody that's been in sales long enough, they, they either know it very consciously or subconsciously that there are, most would agree there's different types of people and a lot of put it, a lot of people put it into four, four buckets, right? Whether you're using disc or, I mean, there's so many, we could sit, we yeah. could spend the entire time just talking about profile and, and then personality types. I think when I grew up, I didn't realize the personality personality types existed. I just, I was able to navigate, I think more instincts with instinct, but as I studied it, and, and really start to understand it. I'm now, I'm now I'm not only just using my instincts, I'm using my knowledge. So if I'm talking to an engineer who's not going to make a decision on the same day, an engineer type, then I need to understand this is a person who needs information, who needs to be spoken to in a specific type of way, as opposed to somebody who's more like me, who's more of an emotional driven person or more of a, you know, uh, I'm going to respond differently. I don't need all the facts. I don't need all of that. I'm going to need something that's a little bit different. So to your point, to your question is, I think a lot of people may work based on instincts, based on previous experience and knowing what's worked in the past. But I think the elite people have studied it and know more consciously how to engage with different personality types. And, and and the reality is ultimately, like you say, you know, it's knowing when to push and to pull and to have that in intuition to be able to pick the the, the, the deal in, in the right place. And, and obviously I'm, I'm intrigued because when you obviously, you know, you still had Believe and you did the film stuff, but you went to Solar City and, and your, some of the numbers were just, you know, and I know we're going to go through a quick, fast trip thing of your time because you know, yeah. we've got time to, a little bit of time to go through some of this. And I want to talk about your, your general sales philosophies, but you just hit some incredible numbers. I mentioned some of them earlier on that I was looking like, you know, you know, deal, 20 deals in a day and 600k of, of revenue in a single day i mean tell tell people a bit more about how you achieved that sales success was it about your instinct and knowledge i mean what was what was your secret to sales success i guess at solar city yeah well i think look vehicles matter so you got to get in the right vehicle i mean you could sell something that's a low ticket and it's gonna be very hard to hit those numbers so i got into the right vehicle at, at the right time and, and so I don't want to, you know, mislead and say, you know, there's, I'm, it's, it's all me, but a lot of people got into that right vehicle at the right time and didn't achieve the type of numbers that I achieved. So 
I would say, you know, when we go to look at like how I did it or why it was effective to me, I, I started as an, as a sales rep at the kitchen table, helping people understand how they could benefit from solar panels being on their roof. This is 2010. And I was good at it. And I'll explain why I think I was good at it in a minute, but, but that led me to lead a team and leading a team and being good at that led me to then get promoted to train people, which then they're saying, okay, well, you should just run the training or you should just run the sales org. I was the VP of sales. So I went from sales rep to VP of sales with some stops along the way. For me, I think the reason I had success at it, I mean, bottom line is I was a human. Like you got to be genuine. You got, these are other, you have to put yourself in other people's shoes. You have to understand what, what are they thinking? What, what might be their objection? What might be their, the reason they're not going to move forward. Right. And so anytime somebody says I'm not moving forward today, that probably means they're moving forward today. That's like, that's the first thing I noticed as far as I did a lot of one call closes. I was very good at one call closes because I made people comfortable. I, I would share things about me, you know, obviously through the, we have a, a sales process, but like the very first thing is you got to, got to build that trust and rapport and you build trust and rapport by showing that you're a human being. You're not a robot. You're not somebody there to win them over. Uh, you're not there to uh, sell them something. You're there to provide something of value to them, but it's not for your benefit. It's for their benefit. And so once you've built that rapport, the next phase is understanding what and why they would be the right person for whatever it is you're selling. And in my case, they're a homeowner. They want to have lower electric costs. They want to lock in those electric costs over time. Maybe they want to do something right for the environment. There's a lot of reasons why they might be a good candidate for solar, but I needed to unearth those. And as I'm doing that, I'm also finding out what are the things that might be preventing them from moving forward and in building a, a reservoir of potential objections that I need to overcome by presenting a solution that will accommodate all of their desires, both emotionally and, and practically. And at the same time, letting their inhibition subside and their wall go down by talking about how they don't need to be worried about the things that they're worried about. And then the, the last piece is it, it, everybody's different. Everybody's gonna have a different timetable and that's okay. But, but you have to make them feel like you don't need this sale. <laughs> Commission breath is a real thing. Like you, you have to think about it. Like you you put your feet up on the table and you're just so chill and relaxed that they need you and your product more than, you need that that sale. And the more confidence you have with that, the better. So when I did, you know, a million and, uh, you know, it, it individually did a million in a month, which was the record for the company. Imagine what, how I walked into each home. It was a lot of confidence because like most people are signing up. So I didn't need that sale. That one sale is not going to make or break me. And, and how do you get that confidence without having the million dollars is you got to, you got to, 
psych yourself up to have that confidence. And, and so those are some of the, the rentals. Oh, it's, it's so I could listen to all day talking about it because it's so much in line with the sales philosophy that I have. And I'm on a mission to try and help people understand that, you know, I, I say to people, and I'm not sure where I, I hear it. But I'm sure it was a, a, a US guy. It might have been Jim Camp that said it, but, you know, desperation's a stinky perfume, right? So actually, when you're going, <laughs> when, when you're, when you're going out and giving that desperate feel and that element to do something, you know, it goes. And the amount of people I talk about going the other way, like, oh, what's best for you? I don't care. You know, if this is not right for you, hey, no worries. We'll leave you to it. And that, that and they're afraid to do it because they're afraid that they're going to lose the sale. But I'm like, it brings you closer to people. A hundred percent. And you, you have to let things go. And you, you, you want people to feel that you're not, your, your, your livelihood is not contingent upon that particular sale. Like it's just not. And And the more people feel that the better. And it's like, you know, it's like the people who don't sign up the same day, you know, how you handle that and the follow through, which I'm sure we might get into that. But like, to me, it's like the minute you tell you do a breakup email or a breakup phone call, that's when they come running. People want what they can't have. It's like a relationship. People in relationships, there's always like one who's got the dominant side. And that's because it's, it's, it's psychology. It's the dynamics of one person's going to be more interested than the other and you want them to be more interested in you and you don't want to be coming on too strong. There's so many analogies between a relationship, um, you know, a love relationship and a, and a relationship in, in sales is you want to, you want people coming to you. You want to be oversubscribed. You want people knocking down your door saying, I want this. And, and you only get that if you don't come across as pushy salesy and all the things that you try to avoid. It's so true. And, and, and again, I mean, I, I'm sure you wrote, but Jim Camp's book to me was all about, you know, no and how no is such a powerful method to be able to, to achieve success in that respect. But now I also know why Tesla have got such good salespeople when I meet them in the UK, because they've all been trained by you, Billy. So that's all like, <laughs> I know, can't a, take it, all the credit. All <laughs> but, but tell me, how did you learn to sell? Talk, talk to me about your starting point mm. of selling and when, mm. obviously you have the, when you did the thing, but did you, you know, did you have a sales inspiration when you were started or a mentor? Or was there someone that really sort of pulled you under their wing and got you sort of, you know, in, in, you know, get, you know, that you can look back now and think, Hey, that person was really important in my sales sort of journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, de- I definitely learned a lot. I mean, yes, I learned a lot in the, in the service business, but from, from true brilliant salespeople. So there's three that come to mind and sorry for anybody that I'm not including, but uh, Emmett Summers, who was the first person who trained me on solar. And I'll explain why a guy named Mike Terry and a guy named Blake Maddox. So I'll just tell you what, and I get chills saying it because these, these guys mean so much to me and I owe them so much with, with Emmett. I was, I was a newbie. I mean, I was brand new to sales This is my first official sales job. And I didn't know anything. I did was nothing, but, but he taught me the fundamentals. And, and so I'd say, you know, you got to have a baseline. And for, for me, like he taught me the basics with Mike, he taught me, I would say more advanced things that he was good at knowing, like, what are all the things that you're going to do wrong? And cause you, you naturally do a lot of things wrong. He's the one that taught me, taught me about relaxed confidence. He's the one that taught me about how to leave a voicemail. Right. So you don't want to leave a voicemail. I'm just calling to follow up. I mean, I know voicemails aren't left as much anymore in today, today's day and age. But the thing is, the minute you say just doing something, you've negated the value of what you're about to provide. So instead, why don't you call and say, got something like super, super excited to share something with you. Like give them something, a reason to call you back. Right. And, and then 
make sure you let them know you're going to call them back again. So they know that you're going to continue. And if, and if it's not for them, not to be pushy, but just to professional follow-up. Hey, I, I wanted to share this. This is happening and everything's going to be a little bit different, right? So if you have something, you could have something exciting to share or, or some new knowledge or, you know, maybe there's something happening in the solar space that you're sharing. If it's solar, right. That, that you want to tell them about, that's why you're calling, give a reason why you're calling, but also let them know that you, you will call back at a certain day and time and at that number. So like, he's the type of guy that would teach me more of those highly strategic approaches. And then Blake, he's just, I mean, boy, he epitomizes what it means to be a gifted, persuasive, influential salesperson. And so he taught me the grace and how to have the language and, and how words really matter, how exchanging certain words that you thought you were saying it in the right way and how practice and repetition and get really good at refining the way in which you tell your story. So if you have like a, we call it the credibility wall, which is you're, you're building credibility for whatever it is you're selling. And so he, he came from timeshare. So he worked for Marriott and a bunch of companies like that. And, and timeshare is tough, but the best salespeople come at a timeshare. No question about it. Like those people know how to sell. And he was gifted at creating value and credibility for whatever it is you're selling so that people feel the confidence, you know, you know, sell an emotion back up on logic, right? So they're backing up on, on, uh, you know, on the, on the logic and he's built, able to build that through persuasive language. So those are some of my inspirational people who helped me. Love that. I'd love to interview and meet them all as well. Cause they sound like, again, the sort of people that, you know, that are just like you say that, that especially what you said with Mike, that element to be able to understand the, the nuances of sales, as I call it, these sort of nuances of when to, you know, as I, as I always say, it's, it's when to push and when to pull, when to, when to yeah. move back and when to go. And, and it's those sort of elements that you just need someone that's got that arm around you. And, and, and it's interesting actually. And I, and I think maybe I'll ask this question because I think, you know, you moved into a training role and, and did a fantastic job you know, for a big, very big organization, but mentorship feels to me like it's a bit of a lost art in the sales world mm -hmm. at the moment. It doesn't feel sometimes like, in certain companies, they mentor people as much as they should because how do younger or newer people to sales get better without that form of mentorship? I totally agree. I mean, I think it's not only that it's lost heart, it's people don't, it's not, there's not enough value placed on it and there's not enough structure put around it for it to be something that would allow people to thrive. And I've tried building mentorship programs they are hard to build and, and it's yeah, hard to stick. It's, it's, it's tough, but if you get the right mentor, your path trajectory to wherever you want to go is catapulted. You're, you're, you're just getting there that much quicker because you're learning from people who have experience instead of getting learning by experience, you're learning from people who have experience. So it just, it just shortens the the, the pathway to get where you want to go. Obviously you want the right mentor and the right people, but I, I, I was really fortunate and there's been a lot more other than them who've taught me a lot. But I do think if you are somebody who could be a mentor or if you need a mentor, like seek them out, find those people who you could get knowledge from and, and embrace it. Or if you are the mentor, who, who are the people who you're going to pass your knowledge on to? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fully, fully agree with you.
No, and it, it, there's a great, there's a phrase that I always say to people when I use, which was, you know, show sales value before sales vanity. You know, so, so to me, it's about actually how do you give value? How do you build a mindset? You know, we know the buyer journey has changed, but again, feels like a lot of the time people don't want to do that. A lot of people I speak to and I'm trying to, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is trying to change that perception of selling because there's a perception that sales is, ugh, and you know, it's like going to be pushed into it. Whereas actually good salespeople are problem solvers. They're, they're, they're making a difference. I always say to people, they're making a difference in someone else's world. And mm-hmm. it's obviously an ethos that you were able to take into your leadership career and train people on. And and, and how does it feel when, or how did it feel? Because you're honestly, it's like a different half now but when when you were able to share your knowledge and insights and then see other people then take your insights and get results how does that make you feel oh it's so rewarding right you 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 it's like um you know it's like seeing a a, you know a kid or you know that that's learned something new and then apply it and it's the same principle even as adults when we're when we're gaining knowledge and then applying that knowledge and to me it all comes down to the application piece so one of the things that I would always focus on in sales training is like, okay, yes, this knowledge is being presented. Yes, it might be being heard, but is it being utilized? And, and the, the the sad truth of sales training is so much gets lost because it's either not heard, not embraced, and most importantly, not applied. And so from your to your question, it's like there is such a a, a gratifying feeling when you can see someone put into practice what you've taught. And, and so, you know, you got to do the reps, right? You got to do the practice. And I'm a big believer in role play, huge believer in role play because role play is putting it into practice before you put it into practice in the game. And so you got to, it's like a scrimmage, right? It's like, maybe it doesn't count. Okay. Nothing's on the line. You can't mess anything up. And role play is so awkward because it's not real, but you got to do it. Like you got to do it and you got to do it relentlessly. I couldn't agree with you more. And I have conversations with people when I talk to people, you know, and I do sales training workshops and days. And I say to people, you know, can you imagine? Like, I mean, I love my golf, whatever sport you love, it's basketball, whether it's baseball or it's, you know, can you imagine that guy or lady going out onto the field just for the first time ever and not practicing, not having a spent day? He's practicing. It's like you can't imagine like the best actors and actresses in the world getting on stage. And, you know, none of the guys in your great film just winged it. They, they knew what they were going to say and how they were going to say it. So why is it a different in sales? But it's a real, oh, I don't want to do that. And people just try and wing it. It's such a great analogy. I mean, all of those, all of those are true. It's if, if we want to perform at an elite level, we got to do what elite performers do and elite performers practice. They practice what they want to perform at an elite level. And they do it so much more than you might imagine behind closed doors. The best speakers, the best athletes, the best salespeople, the best leaders, they are practicing. They're constantly practicing. And the more you do something, the more you're confident doing it. And confidence comes from feeling like you know whatever it is you're doing. To me, confidence is one of the most critical things to learn, especially as a child and young adult. And it, 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 it can pay dividends across every aspect of your life, being a parent, being a, being a, a leader, you know, doing your job, gaining friends. I mean, if you have confidence, you, you, your ticket to life is so much broader than it would be if you lacked confidence. And so confidence comes from being prepared and the more, pre- and being prepared comes from the practice, the more practice, the more prepared, 
prepared, more confident. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm conscious I could talk to you all night, but you've got to we've got to, you've got to call in in 15 minutes. But I, I couldn't do an interview without talking about Tesla because you obviously sure. had that role in in, in that, you know and, and you know I, I it may be an interesting thing to say to you because you obviously worked for him and knew him well. But you know Elon Musk is I think the world's most inspirational entrepreneur. For me, he's mm-hmm. someone that epitomizes what business you know the hard work in the people that don't like him i get that but for me his his ethics and sorry his ethos of work and mm-hmm. commitment to his craft and to me but what was it like working for elon mm-hmm. and tesla like, come on give, me, give us a few insights into sure yeah yeah it was. Uh, yeah man i enjoy talking about it too because it, it's a part of my life that i wouldn't change for a thing i learned a lot i grew developed and and i also built friendships elon is i mean say what you will you cannot argue the man is truly extraordinary. He's extraordinary. He's a genius. He's a, yeah. I mean, genius. I mean that, yeah, a hundred percent. He's a brilliant genius. And, and, you know, he's got his quirks, no doubt about it, but I always try to look at, I mean, one of the reasons I think I have a big friend group is a lot of people who maybe, you know, wouldn't be, I'm, I have a, a high threshold, like somebody's going to have faults. I don't care. I look at their, what are the, what's great about them. And so for him, there's a few things. Number one, you mentioned it. His work ethic is off the charts. He's going to work as hard as anyone else. He's constantly, constantly thinking about his businesses and how, how to make them better. So that's the first thing is off the charts work ethic. And he looks for other people with work ethic. So from a discipline and hard work standpoint, you really cannot beat him. Number two, he's brilliant at asking questions as a, as a salesperson. One of the biggest gifts you can have is being able to ask questions, right? Now he himself, he may not like sales, quote unquote sales. It's because he's got this preconceived notion of what sales is, but he does sales just as as bad as well as anyone. I mean, he knows how to influence people because he's a visionary. And even though he may not be the most eloquent speaker, he's able to speak in a way that builds confidence in whatever it is he's talking about. Cause he, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's got conviction. He's got belief and he's got the track record. Like you can't argue the track record. I mean, you launch a rocket in the sky and land that rocket back down. You're the brains behind that done. Like I'm going to believe what you say. You, you built this amazing empire with Tesla and SpaceX and everything else he's doing. So he's brilliant at asking questions, but asking the right questions. And the reason he asks the right right questions is he's always trying to find a solution. He's He's a problem solver. So he's a brilliant problem solver. Absolutely extraordinary. I I, I don't think there's anyone better. Um, And then he looks at things with the lens of what we call first principles thinking. And what I mean by that and what he means by that is Let's not compare by analogy. Not let's not look at other cars and say why are other cars not as great as they could be. Let's just make them incrementally better. He says, "What if cars didn't exist, and we had to build a transportation thing from the ground up, knowing the laws of physics and you know the whatever limitations we might have? What what, what could it be?" Which is why he could think about a rocket that can reland, right? He's not thinking about what exists with rockets. He's not thinking what exists with. So to me, first principles thinking, asking brilliant questions, all with the goal of 
problem solving, having an outrageously crazy work ethic and drive to commitment with, with, with what he's doing. And then to add and to all of those things, it's, he does not give up. There might be micro failures throughout, but he does not give up. And he, so he's, he's going to do it and he's able to paint the vision and he's able to explain what it is that he believes is possible. And when you create the vision and explain the vision, he's able to get other people to believe in the vision. And when you do those things, the, the recipe is, uh, you know, he's just, you could see it. I mean, people believe in his vision and therefore when people are bought into it, they're going to support it with money. They're going to support it with time. They're going to support it with all the things that they did. He's not doing it on his own. He's getting really smart people. He's, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. He's surrounding himself with brilliant people. And part of that's because he asks them the right questions and recruits the right people. But you've just, it's funny, you could, you know, you, and, and I, I can't think I could listen to that, this sort of stuff all day because it's incredible. But you've just actually described, with, in a way, the perfect salesperson, right? You know, the ability to share, share a vision, the ability to work hard, to never give up, to be able to be a problem solver, to be able to ask mm-hmm. great questions. That to me is sort yeah. of like, even if, in, 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 if you, if you would summarize a really brilliant salesperson now, it would be that, right? It's totally. that, so he, even though he didn't think he was very like sales, because again, it's interesting you said he has this conception of sales and it's something yeah. I'm passionate about changing that people think sales is this thing that's, and, or, and it's not because what you've just said is what sales, great salespeople are. Exactly. You, you, you hit it on the head, which is, which is the irony that he's, he's got this allergic reaction to sales when he himself is a brilliant salesperson. And, and obviously you were with Tesla for, you know, a number of years, you know, three, four years, and you went through an amazing, huge amount of time there, but I'm conscious of, of time. I've got left with you, you know, now, and I want to ask a couple of questions before we finish because okay. your time is so incredible. But how did it feel to leave Tesla and to go and set up you know, I know you, you know, you wanted to set the podcast company up and do it, but to, to make that jump, because you have, mm. you know, Tesla's growing, like, you know, the ramp is still going up. How did it feel to leave? And, and what was that driver for you to go and say, Hey, mm. I need to go and do my own yeah. thing again. Well, look, the, the ride that I had on corporate was amazing. I, I, I call it my corporate surfboard. I, I wanted to get off. I was looking for a lane to get off and, and the lane showed up in 2019. So I had a global role global team. I had team in Asia, team in Europe, team in uh, the Americas. And so my, my boss reported to Elon Musk. Uh, And so there was a time where, you know, they looked at the entire company and they're like, okay, where can we cut back? So I had a global role. That global role was eliminated. So I was like, okay, I could go into the sales org. I could go do something else at Tesla, or I could treat this as a opportunity to do my own thing. And that's what I did. And so I started Podify. Uh, I started my own podcast first, but my, yeah, my absolutely. business tr- sort of morphed from the podcast into a podcast production company because I've always loved media. I've always loved creating content. Uh, I've always been fascinated by the idea of like telling stories through visual means and audio means. And so I was like, okay, how can I apply my passion for asking questions and, and learning with my passion for creating and and helping other people create. So that's how, that's how Potify sort of started. That was in 2020, the, the, uh, 2019, I left 2020 Potify started and here we are halfway, tw- halfway through 2023. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the experiences I had, but 
If you ask me if I would want to work for Tesla today, no, I wouldn't. I mean, just super candidly, it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not the, you know, it's not glamorous. I mean, you're working your butt off and, and yes, I, I did make good money, but it, it you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's not, not an easy place because, to work. But also because you're in, you know, and I love the, the, the growth in podcasts and you started your podcast in 2019, 2019 and 2020, you know, you've been doing it. Like, hence why I said at the start, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Luke Skywalker with the Yoda here in terms of <laughs> podcast world. But, but, but the reality is, you know, the, the, where do you see the growth? And obviously in, pod, you know, mm. you know it, the opportunity is huge, isn't it? And for people that, you know, growing and podcast industry has grown hugely. So the opportunity yeah. for you in this, in this business and it's fantastic. And, and by the way, I'm going to also say, because we're running out of time slightly, people to listen to your podcast and to some of the elements because your your passion is interviewing amazing people isn't it and actually getting mm-hmm. them to share their stories and how they can you right. know, achieve incredible things tell people a little bit about that before we finish sure thanks so much for the for the opportunity james and to your question and, and, and to both questions first and foremost podcasts they're incredible for a few reasons but i think most importantly is they build loyalty they build loyalty to a brand. They build credibility to a brand or to a person. A lot of people think they're good for discoverability. It's not really a discoverability platform. It's a loyalty platform. And here's why. There's three reasons. Number one, intimacy. When somebody hears your voice through headphones or speaker, or whatever, there's something that resonates, vibrates, literally, when you're, when you're speaking. And it connects to another human being on a very deep and meaningful level. So that's the first thing is intimacy. Second thing is duration. Podcasts, they're much, much longer than most other forms of media. So 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. And you get this this longevity of time. That's huge because now you're really getting to know people. Like people really get to know me just in this, you know, 30, 40 minutes we're spending together, right? And they get to know you as the host even more. So duration. The third thing is frequency. Okay. So you got intimacy. Okay. Which is really, really important. And, and, and you got duration and then you got frequency. Frequency is how often you show up in someone's life. If you show up weekly, if you have a weekly show or bi-weekly, if you have a bi-weekly show, you're showing up on a very regular basis. And so what's happening is you're building this trust, right? You're built, you're, People give in to like you, right? It's like, it's like, you know, no like and trust, right? Yeah, like and so, trust, right? Yeah. So you, you, you get this with the podcast. I would argue greater than any other type of media out there, especially you're, we're recording video here. If you also incorporate video into the equation and now they get to see you. So they, 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 there's a visual representation. And so to your other question, my show is inside out. So we, we, I look for insights that are going to blow people away. And I bring people on who have done something so extraordinary that the world is different as a result of them being here. And so I look to unearth and talk about transformational insights in their lives and in, and, and that could be a transformational insight in other people's lives. And so, yeah, I've interviewed Bob Berg. I've interviewed Christo. I've interviewed, you know, all sorts of people who have done remarkable things throughout their life. And I look for ways to, how, how can that insight inspire somebody else in their life? Because our brain, it, it, we're hardwired to, to really do so much, but the, the prefrontal cortex, the aha part of our brain, it doesn't really get activated if we're constantly thinking, constantly solving problems, 
because we're, it's the CEO, right? It's, it's, it's the, it's managing everything that we do on a daily basis. So it's overworked. Somebody uh, that came and spoke at Tesla said your prefrontal cortex is like 50 cents and the rest of your brain is like the entire U S economy. So it's, it's really small part of your brain, but it's really important part of your brain. But if you ever have like an aha moment, maybe you're taking a shower, maybe you're in the bathroom, you're on a walk. Our mind is quiet. And when our mind is quiet, that's when we have those life-changing, ah, something clicked. It was an aha, eureka, insight moment. And so I ask people, what are those moments in their life where they had that moment of insight that changed who they are and the trajectory of their life? And, and hopefully it inspires other people. So right. it's, it's incredible. And I've, and I've loved listening to them. I'm going to put them in the, in the you know, because we've run out of time now, but I'm going to put people the links to the podcast series. I think you should, you know, and, and there's lots of people I'd love you to, to actually, to go into that. I'll, I'll shit that. I mean, I, I'm a big, I, I love helping, you know, understanding people's stories, but also meeting people that are inspirational, like you said, and they've done incredible things. And, um, you know, to, to get people that have, that have pushed themselves to, to make something happen that wasn't humanly possible, you know, yeah. but go back to the Elon Musk element around actually first, you know, principles thinking actually, no, I can get through this and I will get through this. So um, I may well share a couple of examples of people who I think would be, I'd love them to share their story to the world. There's a guy called Gary McKee, I could quickly mention. So last year in the UK, he ran a marathon every day for 365 days. So wow. he ran a marathon every day, every day. He's a, he works full time and he raised nearly $2 million or a million and a half pound for charity, but just this mental strength to go and do that because he knew he had a cause to me was just like it just blows me away when you think of people like that so um but uh, look, wow. I, 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 there's loads of people i've I, I love listening to you that have achieved those things and, and so many people i've got i'm going to be kicking out on your podcast and i'm encouraging other people to do the same over the course of the next few weeks as well so um so look, Billy, we're going to finish because you've got a call in a minute so but one final thing you know poxy people can reach you online i know you can you know we connected on linkedin you're happy for people to connect with your linkedin and, and follow you on yeah. linkedin i'm sure uh, and is there any final one sort of sales tip or advice quickly that you can give to people that are a bit nervous about sales sales and selling or they're uncertain about it just one sort of billy final tip around sales that you would have given to anyone that you were teaching or you teach with now about how to to cope with those sales fears and worries they have sure well the first thing i'd say is you're not going to break anything you got it you got to practice so don't don't allow yourself to get so fearful that it causes you to to not proceed and that's the first thing is, is you you're not going to break anything like you, you you're going to mess up i mean who cares you mess up mess up in life that's not, it's not the end of the world if you mess up. Um, but I'd say for me, like I, I said it at the beginning, it's how do you think about what that person is thinking? And, and the more you could embody and, and, and feel what it's like to be that person, I think the more you're going to be able to sell in a way that will be resonate with the person you're, you're talking to put yourself in their shoes. What, what, why would they have interest in the product that you're selling? Why would they be fearful of buying the product that you're selling? And the more you know that and you could feel that and respond to that, the better experience you're going to create. And it is about creating experience for the person who you're selling to. Um, sales is service. Serve, serve as best you can. Provide, provide value. You know, more, much private, provide more value than you take in payment. And the, and the more you can do that, uh, the more people are going to resonate and respond to whatever it is you're selling. 
Love it. And it fits incredibly well to the fact that I've just changed my newsletter that I send out on a regular basis to call Get Inside the Mind of Your Buyer. So it's, I'm, I'm glad you've said that thing because it's exactly that. I always say you can become a fly on the wall in your buyer's head, then that's where you want to be. So it's a, it's a yeah. great fit. And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad we're on that same page. And so thank you so, so much. Billy. I'm conscious of your, your time this evening or, or this afternoon for you. It's been an absolute pleasure for me. I could chat to you all evening and, and you've got so many insights and, and things to share. So thank you so much for giving up your time. And uh, look, I'm going to put some links to the, to the show and we'll, we'll share it to this when people are out there. But if, and if people are getting started with a podcast and they want to have a chat, then you're, you guys, I know, are always open to, to doing that as well, aren't you? So, 100%. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for the opportunity, James. You can just go to Potify or find me on LinkedIn and schedule some time. I got links on my LinkedIn profile. So just type in Billy Samoa, like the island, and you'll see my full name there. And if anybody wants to check out the podcast, you can go to Inside Out Show um, or, or James will put the link in the, in the show notes. So, Brilliant talking to you. Love your questions. Thanks for allowing me to reflect on my past and sales and all that journey. Uh, it was uh, it was real really fun fun going down memory road. It was brilliant. Look, and, and Daniel Son was definitely listening to Mister Miyagi and waxing <laughs> off as a result of this. So I loved it. So look, so thank you so much. I know you're going to jump off and to, to jump to another meeting. So thank you. Sure, appreciate it, and uh, look forward to to sharing the podcast with all the listeners and hopefully getting people some insights that are going to make a difference for them. So thank you so much, and, and you have a great rest of the evening. Thanks, James. You as well. Really appreciate the opportunity. So there you have it. That was Billy um, Selby, uh, uh, Billy Samoa Salibi. What a great guy. Um, what some inspirational insights there. I think, you know, if you can't learn and gain some value from Billy, I'm not sure, you know, what, what, what to say. But um, that's what we're about, interviewing brilliant salespeople who have had brilliant sales careers and that make a difference in the world on the Diary of Sales Act. But if you'd like to be on the show, let me know. And we'd love to get you on there as well. So um, that's it from us today. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.